You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. Hey everybody, it's Dan, and this is the Savage Lovecast. 206-201-2720 is the phone number here if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast. Uh, my name again, Dan Savage, and this is the Out Loud Once a Week podcast version of my sex advice column, Savage Love, and it's downloadable every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. Let's get to your calls. Hey, Dan, it's uh, Cindy in Virginia, and I wanted to follow up with you on the advice you gave to the gentleman who was the younger guy who's married to a woman in her 50s and he wanted to know how to get their sex life going again. Um, two points. One is he needs to consider the fact that she might have shut down on him because she's much more aware of his extracurricular activities than he thinks. I mean, if I had somebody screwing around on me and who thought I didn't know about it and he's out chasing everything, I pretty much wouldn't be giving him any either. Um, I'd be talking about it, of course, but I think that's something that uh, you didn't mention that he that he should think about. Uh, maybe he's a jackass and, and uh, she has a reason to be shutting down on him. Um, the second thing is, when you talked about, you just tossed one line out there about there are certain things that the spouse you think doesn't have a right to know. Um, I'm not being confrontational. I'm just curious what your stance is on that. Um, I think that, yes, we all are allowed to have our autonomy, but even if you're ha- having safe sex, I have a right to know if you're out there putting your dick somewhere else. So I can make a choice about my life, whether or not I want to be around. So I'm not so sure... I'm just curious about your your ethical stance on on uh, uh, cheating if you're in a committed relationship. If you've told somebody, you will not cheat. I think I'm going to try to give you a call, but really quickly before I uh, jump on the phone, uh, officially my stance and my advice is that no one should ever actually take it. Savage. How are you? I'm great. What a pleasure to hear from you. Uh, got a minute? Sure. Uh, so I just listened to your message. Uh, and I, I just wanted to bat this stuff around with you uh, live, if that's right. I hope I didn't sound like a bitch. <laughs> no, you didn't sound like a bitch. Okay. Um, uh, not that there's anything wrong with sounding like no. a bitch. I frequently no. sound like a bitch. But I like you, so I didn't want to. <laughs> but you might not like me after we have this conversation. Already? Yeah, let me have it. Um, you know, I suppose it's possible that that, that previous caller with uh, who's been running around on his wife, uh, that she's aware of his cheating, and that's why she's shut him down. Um being uh, in the line of work that I'm in, uh-huh. whenever I get a letter from a guy whose uh, wife has completely lost her libido, and that's a really common problem uh, with women uh, due to hormone imbalances and uh, you know just like a, la- a falling away of libido. Male and female sexuality are really kind of different, right. and male sexuality never seems to slow down right. uh, until ED sometimes interferes, whereas female sexuality seems to come in and out and sometimes you know, the tide goes out and it doesn't come back. Uh, I guess I'm speaking a little bit from experience, but yeah, I hear you. I, I, I agree that it's much more of a woman thing to shut down sexually. But there, is, there are instances where, you know, it could be the guy's fault, he could be doing something wrong, but invariably when, you know, it's brought up and discussed, there's always this rush of letters and now calls from people saying, oh, it's got to be his fault, it's something he's doing wrong. Oh, 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 As okay. if a woman is just like, you know, a, a, a set of dials, and if you've just dialed everything up correctly, she's going to want to fuck, 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 fuck no, like you're crazy. Right, you're right, I totally agree with that point. It's so, you you know, maybe she knows, but I think, like you indicated in your call, if she knew that he was cheating, she would confront him. She should at least, yeah. 
I don't think that's something that, uh, you know, anybody who'd cut their partner off from sex because they're cheating is also going to probably confront them about it and not just fold her arms in front of her chest and sulk. She's also 53 and he's 35, was it? Uh, something like that, yeah. He was in his early early 30s, I think. And she was in her early 50s. And but so if he's taking it out of town all the time, how much energy is, and emotionally as well, actually, does he have left for? I don't know, but if he, you know, he could be taking it out of town because she doesn't want to sex anymore yep. and isn't interested anymore, so he went looking elsewhere. True. And I think people have a right to do that. I also think that, you know, I get accused of putting too much emphasis and importance on sex, but then I, like, turn on this dime and say, you know, a marriage and a long-term relationship can have value and be worth saving and worth staying in, even if there's no sex. Right. I well, think it's best it's best for everybody if that's acknowledged and above board and you know there's either you know an explicit agreement yeah. to turn a blind eye yeah. to needs getting met elsewhere uh, or but you know often there's an implicit agreement uh, talk to me about that. Cause let's back up a second. I mean, I left my marriage because the sex stopped, and I could not get him to talk about it. And I still to this day don't know why. And you know, I mean, what's the expression when there's when you have a great sexual relationship, sex isn't that important. But when you don't have one at all, it's everything. Yeah, that's true. You know, so I planned on getting fucked in my lifetime, and I was like, I said as much. Uh huh. How old was he? Uh, same age. I mean, we were in our in our mid thirties, and I I mean, I love this guy, but uh-huh. it's like I was getting none, and I didn't want to cheat. That was a personal choice. I'm like, I I can't do it, so I gotta get out. Did you ever get to the bottom of it? Nope. Well, you did what you thought was right by your lights. Did you have two kids? No. Well, that that's fortunate, I guess. You know, people say that, but Kevin Nealon has this expression. He goes, "It's like when someone tells you, um, oh, you lost your leg in the war. Well, you didn't have any really good shoes, did you?" <laughs> <laughs> It's like this, you know, oh, yeah, okay, you're right, you know. Um, I also wanted to talk about I have a right to know what you're putting yeah. your dick in someplace else, as you yeah. said. Um, I, I think that's true. Uh, but there are people whose partners, uh, male or female, I sometimes get letters from women who have had your experience where the guy dries up and there's no explanation. I think if you're with somebody and you make it quite clear that you have no use for their genitalia, that brutal, yeah. They can do with it what they like. Control reverts to that person, even if you stay married. Uh, good point. I mean, if you say I'm not going to give you any more, and you don't like take it to the next step, which is therefore, then yes, the therefore is implicit. I think the conversation that often people, the cutoff person, needs to have uh, is sort of a lay the groundwork for the later, you know, shitstorm if you get caught cheating. The conversation that I recommend that people have if they're in his shoes or you in your your shoes with your husband if you had chosen to stay together, if you'd opted to stay together, or to stay with him in a sexless marriage, would be to say, you know, I don't want to cheat on you, true or not. I have no plans to cheat on you, true or not. But if the opportunity presents itself, I don't know if I'll be able to uh, refrain um, yeah, I guess that is sort of, but I, I think that's kind of a Weasley way of saying, I'm going to cheat on you if you don't give me some. I'd rather come right out and say, I'm going to cheat on you if you don't give me some. Well, I think the latter is more direct, and that's certainly what I would say. <laughs> but a lot of people are looking for sort of tap dancey face-saving yeah, uh, ways of putting it where they get their, uh, you must turn the blind eye, and they get to put the other person on notice, but it's said in a much more uh, roundabout way. Yeah, in a very legitimate denial type of legal way. Yeah, by saying, I plan on having sex in my life, I want it to be with you, yeah, I guess I was laying that groundwork for myself as well. I just didn't want to be someone who, after having made, you know, taken vows, who just went off and I just couldn't do it. Right. 
said that's why I got out. I guess that's a more brutal way of doing it. But you know what? As far as I'm concerned, if you're not getting sex in the marriage and the person will talk about it, there are bigger issues than just you know not getting any dick. That's true. But you know there are people who are content in their sexless marriages. I, I don't think anyone should stay in a sexless marriage if they're miserable and in a sexless marriage. But I know I've heard from plenty of people who are in sexless marriages where the marriage is about. You know, a friendship and affection. It's about the kids. It can often be about, uh, you know, uh, a, a social social position and status, a, and that's not necessarily illegitimate. It's not. Everyone defines their own marriage. Seriously, I right? Agree. And so, if people are content, I don't think anybody on the outside has the right to say, since you're fucking the person you're not married to, your marriage is a sham and a lie. Because marriage isn't just sex. I totally agree, and I think that they have a right to make up whatever rules they want, whether it's you know swinging from the rafters with other people and the neighbors, whatever, as long as they agree. What I'm saying is that if you don't have that, you know, agreement, and okay, I'll, I'll agree with you somewhat on the, you know, implicit part, because if you, someone shuts you down, yeah, you have a right to go elsewhere. But. Okay, but it's not always black and white. And I want to, like, get to the non-black and white scenarios. Well, and then keep going, because I just don't, I don't agree with Well, you. say, you know, guy's married to the woman. Mm-hmm. Say, you know, they've been together 12 years, and they have a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old, mm-hmm. and the wife has lupus and can't be sexually active anymore. At all. At all. Okay. And has completely lost interest in sex, or, you know, the wife has leukemia. And they won't have that discussion? <sighs> Wouldn't that be a painful discussion to have? If you love it, oh my God, you're looking at death in the face. You right. You be able to talk about Yeah, that. If, if my partner was dying. Not good, yeah. And we're all dying. Yeah, of course. If my partner was dying... And I, I, I wouldn't want to burden him with, you know, I still have sexual needs. Really? To me, that's respect. Well, to that's me, I think sometimes the respectful thing is to spare someone. Well, then that depends on the person. You feel them out. You know them well enough, then, you know, if it's, it's a case by case. If you know that this would hurt them more than anything, then yes. Then you, you do what you need to do because, obviously, they know you that well enough that they're, they're going to want you to do what you need to do rather than talk to them. Mm-hmm. But if they know that you're me, you know. But what know, if telling somebody the truth is going to is going to force the end of the marriage. Then, you know what? I think what you're doing, though, is you're taking away my choice. By making that choice for me... Yeah, but oftentimes the person who's cut the other one off from sex has taken away their choice, has unilaterally declared an end to their sexual life. And I don't think one person has the right to do that to another person. Okay, you compared lupus to cutting someone off. These are very very different things. Well, no, no, I'm talking now not necessarily about a forced end to a sexual, to the sexual aspect of marriage. I'm talking about somebody who just, like, loses interest in sex and wants to do nothing about regaining it and doesn't care to hear from the other person about how deprived they feel and doesn't regard cutting that other person off or that person being cut off as a problem. And they're an asshole and they should get out of the marriage. If they want to stay in the marriage, then it's dysfunctional and, okay, go do what you want. I'm talking about, I guess I'm talking about But people often have to make those kinds of dysfunctional compromises and make the best of a bad situation and stay in a marriage that is, you know, 70% instead of 100%, 60% instead of 100%. I still want you to be honest with me if you're going to go elsewhere. If they, you know, they look them in the eyeball and they say, I don't plan on sleeping with you, but I want you to be honest with me if you go elsewhere. Are you saying that they still don't have a responsibility? At their I, think that, I think that would be great if people could say that honestly. I think sometimes people say, you know, we're not going to have sex anymore, but if you go elsewhere, I, I really need you to tell me about it. And people sometimes say that to manipulate the other person into not actually having sex elsewhere as a way because they, they expect that the person won't be able to have that conversation with them. And it's a way of vetoing sex with anybody else under yeah, any circumstances. Yeah, and that's a passive-aggressive bullshit. Well, yeah. Because if you're cutting somebody off, then you've lost, lost, lost a lot of rights. Agreed. Are we agreeing here? I think we are. <laughs> <laughs> Guys.
God damn it. Uh, it was great talking to you, and I, I don't know if we came to terms, but... Um, I respect your opinion. And, and I, I respect yours. I want you to tell yours. me to fuck around on me. Pardon? And I want you to tell me to fuck around I will never fuck around on you, I swear. <laughs> okay, Dan, thanks. Bye. I am a straight female. I'm 24, and I'm in a serious relationship for the past three years. And, uh... My problem is that I've kind of fallen out of uh, sexual feelings for my boyfriend. And, uh, I mean, he's a great guy, and I'm attracted to him, but when it comes to sex or anything that has to do with sex, I'm not really interested. And I think my libido is lower now, and uh, I just want to know if this is common and what I could do to fix it. And I just need help. Oh, my God. Break up with your boyfriend, please. Please break up with your boyfriend. Uh, 24 is too young to have lost your libido. Uh, You may technically be sexually attracted to him still or find him attractive. uh, But if you're 24 years old and you don't want to fuck your your boyfriend that you find attractive, uh, it could be that that socialized female part of your character where you're never allowed to say a discouraging word and you have to be nice and polite about everyone at all times is forcing you to say out loud something that isn't necessarily true or it's a gloss or an exaggeration. Uh, I don't think someone who's 24 that doesn't want to have sex with their boyfriend is honestly attracted to their boyfriend. Um, If you want, before you dump him, before you do him the favor of dumping him, uh, you might want to go get your hormone levels checked just to make sure you're not... uh, testosterone deficient uh women with low testosterone often have low low sex drives so perhaps you're testosterone deficient uh you could also be depressed and you don't sound very depressed and this is going to come right out of left field but you kind of sound like a dyke (laughs) nothing you said nothing like you know i'm i'm still attracted to my boyfriend and i really want to eat his pussy i mean his suck his cock like you didn't say anything that was totally revealingly dykish but there's something about the timber of your voice something about the tone of your voice something about your manner on the phone that just made me think of every lesbian i've ever known and not loved uh i mean loved in that fucking way i just mean like my friends who are lesbians they all kind of have that they sound like you. You know how we hear about the gay voice, gay guys with gay voices? Uh, you kind of have a lesbian voice. Maybe you're a dyke. Have you ever like thought about that? Just putting a bug in your ear. Not, you don't have to be a dyke because Dan Savage said so on my stupid podcast. Uh, but you might want to think about it. In the meantime, if this boyfriend at 24 doesn't make you want to have sex, he needs to be with somebody that does want to have sex with him and you need to look around and see if there's anybody else out there that does make you want to have sex whether it's another dude or a dyke and i don't mean to be cruel to the people out there who have no libidos but who are listening to this show even though they have no libidos but but if you have no libido be alone for a while especially if you're young. like don't get married and have babies if you have no libido and then saddle some poor motherfucker with your low libidoness for decades or for the rest of their fucking lives where then like the culture says that because he still wants to have sex he's the monster and you know your your disinterest in sex is perceived as somehow more virtuous because you know People who don't want to have sex are virtuous. It's good to be sexless and celibate and not to be interested or too interested in sex. So the the person who has a low libido kind of gets a pass. And then the person with the high libido is treated as some sort of like 
horny monster, some sort of male nymphomaniac or female nymphomaniac when the shoes are on the other feet. And it just, it's not fair. If you know you have a low libido, be alone. Be by yourself for a while. Buy a vibrator. Watch a lot of porn. Have some one night stands. See what you can do to get yourself going. But don't make a commitment that involves an implied sexual contract and a deal uh, that, that you can't live up to, that you can't fulfill the terms of. Just let him go. No libido? Great. Be alone. No libido is perfect for solitude. It's not perfect for a relationship. Hi, Dan. I'm a 19-year-old straight female, and I've been dating my boyfriend for almost two years um, since we were both in high school. He is my first real boyfriend, and I really, really love him. He is the sweetest guy ever, and we have really amazing sex. Now we're both um, in college, and we're pretty far apart, so we only see each other about once a month, um, sometimes less. And it's really, really hard for me because I miss him so much. Um, I have pretty severe depression, um, which I'm finally getting treatment for, and having him so far away is really difficult. I should add, I'm I'm really lucky to have him because he understands about my depression and he's um, as supportive as I can ask him to be. But I've been thinking about our future after college and real life and where our relationship's going to go. And he's not sure that he wants to be with me for that long or forever. And I'm not either. And I know it's ridiculous to ask him to be sure. But the thing is, I don't know if I want to be so invested emotionally in this relationship because it's so painful for me. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Are you Pretty having well. a bad depression day or a relatively okay day? <laughs> I'm having a pretty good day. Um, I saw my psychiatrist today and he's great. Is he? And I've been doing, yeah, I've been doing like a lot better since I've been seeing him. Um, are you on antidepressants or anything? Yeah, I am. Okay. Uh, where is you, how far away is your boyfriend? Um, it's about an hour and a half plane ride. Uh-huh. So it's pretty far. How do you feel? What do you want? That's the thing. I, I really don't know. It's, like, it's really hard for me to have him so far away, but, I mean, I don't know if that's because, like, mostly because of my depression and it'll go away, like, once I get the whole thing under control, or it's actually because of the situation. Do you have a desire to, to, to be on your own, to stand on your own two feet? Do you think that might go some way towards making you feel more secure and independent? Sometimes I feel that way. Um, but it's scary. It, yeah, it's scary. I mean, being with, like, thinking about my future without him is scary, but thinking about, like, oh, my God, what if, like, he's my future is also, like, really scary, because, I mean, I'm only 19. I know, if you can't be single at 19, when the fuck can right. you be single? Right? Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot is pumped out in the culture that makes people think that, or feel as if being single is somehow just desperate and depressing and, uh, you know, it's sort of some kind of purgatory uh, until you're married and then everything's great or you have a partner and everything's great. You know what? When, you have, when you're single, you have a set of problems and then when you're with somebody, you have a different set of problems. You're still going to have a set of problems. You know, yeah. a relationship isn't the solution to, to all life's miseries. It's just a whole new set. You know? Right, yeah. 
and I, I just wonder, you know, when you, you say you've been depressed all these years and you're finally getting treatment for it, um, does your boyfriend feel a sense of responsibility for your emotional upkeep and taking care of you? To some extent, yes. He was, like, my family was kind of in denial about my depression, and he was really the one who, like, talked to my parents and said, you know, she really needs help. Uh-huh. And that was good because I couldn't, I had a lot of trouble talking to them myself uh-huh. about it. So, but, I mean, now that I'm seeing a doctor, now I, you feel, shrink. I feel that I don't have to, like, spill my guts to him every night, you know? Right. Which I kind of did before, and he said, you know, you have to talk to someone who's a professional who's not just me. Right, because that's kind of, that's kind of an awesome burden to lay on some other teenager's yeah. shoulders. And I, I feel really bad about no, it. No, you don't feel bad about it. I didn't say you should feel bad about it. I just said that's an awesome burden. And it sounds like he shouldered it and did a good job and was responsible and loving about it. Yeah. You know, because I don't want, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty for it. You shouldn't feel guilty for it. You reached out and asked for help from somebody who was involved with you emotionally, and he helped to get you that help. And now you're getting, uh, you know, a different kind of help, uh, professional help that you needed because it was beyond his capacity as just, you know, some other teenager and your boyfriend to provide you with all the help that you needed. Um, but I can't help but feel or wonder if he doesn't feel as if he can't end this relationship if that's what he wants because of his emotional, because of your reliance on him and your emotional connection. Right. And so partly uh, it shifts all responsibility to you, really, where you have to look at what you want because I don't, if I were him in this situation, I would feel like I couldn't break up with you. Because I wouldn't want to send you into a tailspin. I wouldn't want to add to your depression. I would feel... I would feel trapped a little bit. You know what I mean? And I wonder if he's not feeling that way. And what, what the things I hear you saying, like, you know, it's so painful for me to be in this relationship, you said on the phone message. Mm-hmm. If a relationship is that painful at 19, you should really end it. And you know what? You're not, you're ending the relationship. You're not, you're not having him executed at dawn or anything. So a lot. So if you end it and you and it was a mistake, and you both feel it was a mistake, it can resume at some point in the future. I thought about seeing like not if we could take some time apart because we obviously already are, but if to see what it feels like. But it sounds like it sounds like you want to break up. It sounds like. But the thing is, I just really, really love him. You can still love somebody you've broken up with. You can. Mm-hmm. You can still have feelings for him. You can still talk to him. It might be easier if you guys still stayed in contact and saw each other, but you let go of you know the official boyfriend girlfriend designation that's clearly making both of you feel pressured about the rest of your lives don't be locked down by fear yeah okay don't be afraid of breaking up with him because you can get back together with him if he wants to get back together and you know what if he doesn't want to get back together then you needed to break up with him but don't be afraid all right 19 and single and at college and on your own and making friends and meeting new people and exploring the world is a great fucking time in a person's life and you should enjoy it and not be intimidated by it, wow. okay? Thanks, Dan. But bounce it off your shrink, too. Just don't take my word for it. <laughs> All right. Okay, bye. 
Hi, Dan. Um, I have had a question for quite a while. I've been a little puzzled about this for rather a long time, sort of. Um, but I've finally been persuaded to call because I just listened, listened to your recent podcast um, with a question from a girl who is my age. Um, I'm 21. She was 20, I think. Um, and she was asking, she was sort of had a vague question about why guys are, they don't have the balls to commit. Um, and I am calling because I have the exact opposite problem. Um, like I said, I'm 21. I just turned 21 this weekend. And I am not at all interested in a stable relationship right now. I really enjoy being single. I really enjoy, you know, not being tied down. I travel a lot. Um, I end up picking up these guys who are really put off by the fact that I don't want to commit with them. And I feel like I have to sort of make a, like put on a facade of pretending that I want to be with them forever. And when I finally tell them that I don't, they get really put off and they end up breaking up with me. Um, I don't understand this. I have a lot of friends who are in relationships with guys, very, you know, serious relationships. And they break up and they get back together with them and they break up and they get back together with them. And I'm not interested in that. It's just, it's really weird. It feels like every time I get with a guy, um, he's either, he ends up like getting really attached to me and telling me, oh, he loves me so much, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm really put off by this because I don't really believe them. I feel like they're probably in the same place as me and they just want, you know, to have some fun. And they, and then when I, when I, when they finally get, you know, the idea that I don't really want to commit, they end up freaking out and leaving. And I just don't understand why they can't have, why we, why we can't just have like a fun relationship that doesn't have to mean, you know, forever and ever. Here's the issue. A lot of guys aren't interested in commitment until they meet the girl who's not interested in commitment. And then they're fucking freaked out by her. Guys are afraid of commitment. They have a fear of intimacy until they meet the girl who shares their disinterest in commitment uh, and uh, perhaps has a similar or justifiable fear of intimacy as you do. And then they go running off in the opposite direction because guys want to be wanted because guys want to feel like they're in demand because that's the girl role. That's the girl script. The girl script is to be the one who's interested in uh, commitment. So when you make it clear that you're not interested in commitment, you're actually stealing for these guys who are afraid of commitment what they see as their role you're being slightly guy-ish uh, and a lot of guys are intimidated by women who have any masculine traits at all let alone a masculine trait that goes all the way to the heart of uh, the relationship and what it means to be sexual and, and what it means to be involved at all so your disinterest in commitment is for a lot of these young men that you're dating uh, intimidatingly masculine and uh, a, a usurp usurpation, is that how you say that word, of their role, of what they regard as their job. They're the ones who are supposed to be uh, pushing you away while you come charging at them, begging for, begging to go steady, begging for engagement, begging for marriage. And if you don't want those things, they just don't know quite how to interact with you. Hi, Dan. My name is Anne. I'm uh, south of you here in Oregon. I had a question for you regarding uh, sharing with your partner the number of sexual partners that you've had in the past. I um, have been with my current uh, boyfriend for about nine months, and whenever the I I keep wanting finding myself wanting to bring up the question of of how many partners he's had. I'm just very curious. And then um, I don't know if this is mostly a link to me 
feeling guilty about having uh, many partners or, um, you know, kind of the old Catholic thing in my head that said, you know, X number is not enough and X number is way over the limit. Um, Anyway, I just wanted to know what your thoughts on that are. I'm kind of dying to know from him how many people he's been with. But then again, I realize it doesn't matter. But somehow in my head, I just... I just need to know. I may not be the best person to answer this question because I don't know, because I'm a fag. My boyfriend and I, when we first got together 13 years ago, we told each other our sex stories and told each other, you know, once we were clearly getting serious about each other, we went into full erotic disclosure mode and enjoyed the fuck out of it. Um, It was depressing after a few years and we realized we had no more dirty sex stories to share with each other. You know, sometimes we'd be walking around the town where we live and he'd go, oh yeah, that apartment building, I did blankety blankety blank there with 14 blankety blanks. Uh, and that was totally hot to hear about. And then we'd go to Chicago where I grew up and we'd walk down the street and I'd go, oh, look at that building. I remember. Blah, 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 blah. And that was really fun. Uh, and we loved sharing uh, all those stories. So I, I actually don't have any insight in, just into the, how the workings of the brains of people who are afraid to reveal uh, the number of sex partners they've had or share details of their sexual history with each other. I do know from reading my mail that it can be particularly devastating for some reason uh, for guys, for straight guys, when they hear about their their women's sexual pasts. You know, a lot of straight guys are really hung up on um, a sense of competition with other guys or a sense of being sort of preemptorily emasculated by the guys they're girlfriend or wife was with before them and this weird sort of resentment that the girl didn't arrive uh, at his doorstep a completely innocent virgin um and i guess i i have no affinity for that i, I don't understand uh why the mind works that way but i'm a fag you know i'm interested in dudes and dudes who've had a lot of sex are considered studs and you know it's good to be with a stud he knows what he's doing blah, blah, blah. um so I, i'm just gonna i'm gonna pass on this question alex but of course, this being a podcast and a sex advice program, I can't really pass on it. I have to give you some sort of answer. You know, you want to know how many sex partners he's had. Uh, you have some info to swap for that info, which is how many sex partners you've had. You've only been together nine months. I think that at this point, you guys should share uh, the details. You have a right to ask him. He, however, has a concurrent right not to tell you. Uh, it's a relationship, not a deposition. He doesn't have to answer every fucking question. You're his girlfriend, not a judge. You can't order him to answer every fucking question. And I would warn you that he may not want to share that information because he doesn't want to know that information about you. Maybe he's one of those guys who some part of his conscious or subconscious mind is terrified by the idea of not measuring up to your past boyfriends or past husbands, if you've had any. Um, and so he likes to you know, be in denial and uh, exist in a state of suspended disbelief about uh, your sexual past. Maybe he likes to pretend to put out of mind uh, your sexual past at all. He likes to pretend you didn't have one, that you were tabula fucking semen rasa until he came along and started blowing loads in and on you. If that's what he needs, you might want to respect that. You know, if you share info that completely undermines his ability to uh, relate to you sexually, you might regret that. You know, would he would it be better if he didn't have that kind of hang up? Yes. Uh, if he does have that hang up, though, uh, are you sure you want to sandpaper away at it until he can't be with you anymore? Maybe not. Maybe not if you like him a lot. So ask, 
if but if he says he doesn't want to tell and he says he doesn't want to know you might want to respect that because uh, a full disclosure moment may end this relationship the uh, tech savvy at risk youth are laughing about tabula fucking semen rasa uh, which I didn't even realize I said because I didn't get any sleep last night and these things just fall out of my cum soaked throat every once in a while uh but it's too bad we're still not looking for a name for the podcast because Tabula fucking Seaman Ross would be a great name for a, a podcast, I think. Hi, Dan. Uh, I've got an interesting situation I'd like you to comment on. I'm a 24-year-old straight girl. Um, about six months ago, I met a guy by my age. I was about to ask him out, and I found out from other sources, not from him, that he'd been married and his wife had died a little more than a year ago. Um this kind of threw me off. <laughs> uh, didn't make me run away screaming. I, I don't know if it should have, but, uh, you know, it didn't scare me away. Um, uh, I did find out from sources other than him. We have not talked about it. He has not volunteered the information. I haven't asked about it. Um, I feel like that's okay. It makes sense to me. Um, we've kept in touch. We've hung out a few times. We're kind of doing what a friend of mine likes to call the stupid dance, <laughs> uh, where... I think we're both pretty sure we like each other, but neither of us have the balls to say anything. It's kind of like junior high. Um, anyway, I'm wondering if I was an idiot to let myself like him in the first place. Um, should I let myself get to like him any more than I do? Should I bail out? <laughs> Am I setting myself up for disappointment? Um, I've pulled friends and family, and they all say, go ahead, just be careful. Uh, but that sounds like a cop-out to me, and I think maybe they're just humoring me. Uh, and that's something I don't think you'll do. So it would be great to hear what you think. In answer to one of your questions, your primary question, are you setting yourself up for disappointment? Of course you are. We all are. Everybody who dates is setting themselves up for disappointment. Um, deceased uh, wife, widower, put that aside. Uh, you know, Odds are that this isn't going to work out because no relationship works out until... The one comes along that does. Um, there are no assurances and no guarantees. Uh, I'm uh, trying to read into your comments. You're saying that everyone you know and your friends and family are telling you to go for it, just proceed with caution and be really careful. Um, but you want to know what I have to say because you think I'm going to really um, tell it to you straight, which makes me feel like you want somebody to give you permission not to date this guy uh, because you're goobed out by the dead wife thing. Um, if you don't want to date him because you feel like, you know, he's too recently a widower and, uh, you don't feel like you're the re you want to be the rebound or, you know, his first crawling out of the misery shell after his wife died. Um, that's totally legit. You don't have to date him out of any sense of obligation. You don't owe him anything. Um, if that's a tripwire for you emotionally, don't date, you know, dating is the one area where we get to be, uh, really subjective and even a little discriminatory and even a little unfair. Um, if you do want to date him, I, I would say go for it. Uh, you shouldn't hold it against him unless he's Scott Peterson, uh, unless he had something to do with his wife's death. I don't see why you would necessarily make that a deal breaker or rule someone out uh, because they had some tragedy in their lives. The fact that he hasn't brought it up yet what does that tell you? Well, it sounds like up to now you've done some informal hanging out. Uh, this is the sort of thing where it just doesn't feel like there's any good time to drop it casually into conversation in some sports bar over a pitcher of beers. Uh, you know, if he doesn't do it right away, um, he's not going to do it right away because he's not going to want to seem maudlin or spooky or hung up on his wife's death or still in the very early 
stages of the grieving process. You're not just going to blurt that out the very first time you guys hang out. And that's the sort of thing where, you know, somebody may decide not to reveal right away and then they feel self-conscious, you know, three or four hangouts later about having waited so long to reveal it. And then they start to hesitate and a little more time passes. So I wouldn't read too much into his not having brought it up yet, except that it's awkward to bring up too early and then he's, you wait and then it feels awkward to have waited. Uh, so you might want to give him a break. Also, you might want to bring it up. You might want to tell him you know. He may know that you know. And so you could lance that boil and say, you know, I heard through the grapevine, I heard from friends uh, about your your wife, uh, your deceased wife, and I just wanted to let you know that I was aware of that if you were feeling awkward about bringing it up. Um, and then you can gauge whether or not it's a good idea to date this guy based on his reaction uh, to you telling him the truth. It's not You didn't go snooping. Uh, you found out through the usual sort of <sighs> chat-a-thon uh, that people engage in to vet people that they're dating. People do this about people that they're dating all the time. You know, when I started dating my boyfriend, I knew some people who knew him, and I you know, asked them what they knew about him, and I was sort of checking up on him in his past and what he was like, and he did the same about me. Um, and people do that all the time, and you shouldn't feel self-conscious about how you found out about the, the, the deceased wife. Um, you should, however, at this stage, feel self-conscious about not telling him that you know, just as he's probably feeling self-conscious about not telling you um, what happened. So just lance the boil. Just bring it up. Just be the sort of charming, thoughtful, uh, considerate person that your call clearly reveals you to be uh, and jump right in there. And if you want to date him, date him. And if you don't, you have my permission not to. Well, we're going to leave it there uh, in that very depressing place. Um, this has been the All Lady Call installment of the Savage Love Cast. I'm Dan Savage. Please keep reading Savage Love, my weekly sex advice column in independent alternative weeklies and not so independent alternative weeklies all over this fine land of ours and that fine land of Canada. www.thestranger.com slash savage is where you can download the podcast every week. And if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720 is the number. Please leave a callback number in case I want to call you back and literally chew your ears off your fucking head. Sometimes I don't know when to stop. 206-201-2720. We'll be back at you next week with another installment of the podcast. Podcast.